podcast called hot local singles i hope you tuned into the right show if not please stick around you might be surprised at how entertaining two gay guys can be if you're looking for war charts and news <laughs> war. you're you're on the wrong show war updates war updates <laughs> world world <War> three <laughs> i feel like they've been teasing world war three since early 2020 when the u.s was almost gonna fight iran yeah. Remember that for a second there was like a tease and it didn't happen and now they're teasing with Russia. Deploying those troops <laughs> just for the vibes. Yeah, we were wondering earlier what constitutes war? When does the war start? Right. It's got to be when you deploy those troops, right? <laughs> when you deploy, yeah. Yeah, the Cold War, which is I guess technically a war, there were no shots fired. So ultimately this is a war podcast. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. We have uh, some music today, some topics, yeah, and a lot of love. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked huh. at Josh being like, "What was saying that?" <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. We have like a cringe compilation for you, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's that cringe, <laughs> but we'll get to that. I mean, let's start with let's start with the real cringe master mistress. We're begging. <laughs> We're begging for no war. Meanwhile, Charlie's begging us to stream her new single. <laughs> Charlie's taking us to war against her haters <laughs> and also begging us to stream her single. Yes. Charlie's um creating a war zone out of <laughs> our timelines. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> By um kind of gaslighting us into playing her music. Isn't yeah, that basically. right? I think that's what she's doing. She's embarrassing herself and gaslighting us yeah. into believing that it's our fault that her music isn't charting. And that it's our fault that her music is like not hitting. Let's talk yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> the real epidemic. <laughs> well, let's start with the fact that she released a single last week called Back for You featuring Rina Sawayama. Let's start with that for one. <laughs> and it's a single that very much interpolates, very much so. Interpolates mm. the song by September called is it called Cry for You? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's called Cry for You. Yeah, uh, which is a banger. I mean, a song that I absolutely did not know the name of until like last week. But yeah, same. Yeah, it's a banger. It's it's like a classic of that era, and it's all over. It's been all over Twitter for two years now because of that. Yeah, movie. yeah. The chorus, to be clear, has the been chorus, popular. Yes. Like, I don't really know what the verses sound like. You know, does anyone? Mm. I actually randomly do because. There, you know, eights was it eights for you or something or eight something? It's like a DJ producer did like a slowed version of that song. Oh, that sounds hot. It's actually really good. Um, so I know the I know the lyrics to the verses even. So yeah, her pre-chorus samples the chorus of that song, interpolates it is the word. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And then I guess it was released, but it didn't make that much noise. I mean, it did fine. And then a few days after, she took to Twitter. Do you want to read it for us? Perhaps. I would love to do so. <laughs> Dramatic reading. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> January 31st, 2022. Charlie underscore XCX said the following. Here's the thing. 
if bank for you continues to grow and get massive, it will give Rena and I a platform to bring more avant-garde music to the mainstream and then the charts and everyone's minds will be filled with bops like excess and vroom vroom, which is kind of the ultimate goal. So stream beg ASAP. <laughs> Something really fun about saying about begging someone to beg to stream beg for you. Stream beg is exactly right. Yeah, that is what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing her on her knees pulling out my the bottom of my pants being please sir please spare a stream for a bag for you oh my god yeah so she can give us more avant-garde bobs like excess <laughs> there's a lot to <laughs> there's quite a bit to deconstruct there i think the first thing is wait let me uh, ask you this did you like beg for you first and foremost um i don't even know how to answer that like i'm i'm my mind is swirling mm -hmm. like I don't know. I don't know. I start to cry. <laughs> like, I mean, I agree with, I would agree with that sentiment of like, I don't know. It's good, I guess, but I don't, I think you listen to it more than I have. Uh, why would you ever say such a thing? Like that? <laughs> because you told me. <laughs> you see it on my face. <laughs> my gay face. Um, call me a faggot. No. Uh, no, I've listened to it a lot because like, it is something that I should like. It's like got that UK garage rhythm, mm. but no, it's just, it's just not, it's not it. No, it's not it. And interestingly, Rena, who I really, um, could care less about. take it or leave it. Yeah, she same. sounds better than Charlie does. And I, I don't think yeah. I've ever thought that in my life. No, I'm not a big fan of Rena. But Charlie really is kind of, kind of shouting. Ultimately, isn't she? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You commented on that publicly, talking about the mixing of the song. I know. Yet another gay guy with an opinion on mixing. <laughs> well, not that many do actually. Gay guys always have opinion on like the culture on the song, not like the technical composition or production of it. Often, that's nice of you. Generous. Well, no, because like for me, I was like, it sounds not amazing, but I couldn't tell you why that is. And it like in my head, it was like her vocals don't sound good. That's all I knew. That's all I could. She say. doesn't sound good, does she? But also, no. the beat isn't like bangeracious enough it's like not <laughs> no, turned up not enough exactly, yeah. <laughs> like there were moments when i would like turn up the song and literally be deafened by charlie xcx herself right um but i wanted the beat to hit harder like i need like a club a club mix or something i feel like it's all wrong she could have leaned harder into like because that song has this like maybe it's not a y2k but it has a y2k or like electronic aspect of it as being like anthemic and huge i mean cry for you yeah and i right. like the i like the beat the the chorus beat is more, what is that? Garage, I guess? Garage? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yep, but Two-step garage. But it is true that it's very mid, like mid-tempo, very, like you can't really like, it's not the same energy as Cry For You. I know. It almost seems like a random beat. Like, because mm -hmm. it's not like her voice is blended into the song, yeah, particularly. Know. Like, it almost should be Electro House or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like Euro House, Euro totally. Dance. Like, it doesn't even read like that was the beat to begin with when they were like in the studio you're right you know yeah i agree um so that being said the song didn't do very well although it has done better than the other singles uh, and if you're an avid listener you know that we've in general we feel good about good ones kind of meh about new shapes right yeah so i guess now is a tweet um I, I feel bad for Charlie. I think this is so pathetic. It looks so pathetic for her to be begging people to stream the song. And then she kind of doubled down in subsequent tweets saying like, once you've had your own 
10 plus year career in the music industry as an artist and songwriter that has influenced then blah, 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 then maybe I'll listen to your opinion on how I should navigate my own artistry. Actually, that's not quite the tweet I was looking for, but the tweet I was looking for is where she sort of comments on it all being part of the performance or like the evil Charlie mm. situation, which I found to be like, it's getting so annoying that she has to keep highlighting and keep telling us over and over again that she's playing this pop mainstream pop girl character because I feel like she should let the music speak for itself in that sense. Like, don't tell us what the vision is. Let us like show us, show it us, show it yeah. to us in the music. Um, and what I think my take, my main takeaway for this and what I find so sad and stupid on her behalf is that the whole point of this album was for Charlie to prove to her haters or even her lovers that she can do both like kooky pop and mainstream pop. Like the whole point is be like, if I wanted to do this, I could do it. But yeah. she's proving quite the opposite. Yeah. She's sort of showing actually you can do, you cannot chart. You cannot write a banger that charts. And begging is not their way to do it. <laughs> I don't think. No. <laughs> oh. She also tweeted this. She's really been busy. She said, people be mad that I'm testing the major label system. An art piece. Okay, yeah. first of all, this is not a sentence. Exactly, exactly. An exactly, art piece yeah. whilst still making bops. And honestly, I love it. Okay, somehow I know less than when I <laughs> started reading that, but Same. she thinks she's testing the major label system and I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Like, how is she testing it? By doing like an exaggerated version of it? Because that's... But it's not. That's what I thought the concept of the album was. It's not even, right? Yeah, There's nothing yeah. exaggerated. Like, this song, Beg For You, is produced by Digital Farm Animals. One of the worst producers known to man. He produced Anywhere by Rita Ora. Okay. Uh, you don't like that song? I mean, the chorus is the issue. Mm. And it has that same like nonsense vocal drop that I... T. I thought we were done with that years ago, but no, it's in Beg For You as well. Yeah. He's just a plague, but... Okay, wait, do you like Anywhere by Rita Ora? I think I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like keeping quiet. Yeah, totally. I think but... I do, Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, I heard it in Boots today, Mama. Boots, boots the house. And uh, yeah, it sounded okay. Is it British Roots? No, that's British. Um, <laughs> British Pharmacy. Oh, wig. Yeah, bought some hand soap, not to brag. Boots. I can't believe it's called Boots the House. Yep, it's called Boots the House, Mama. <laughs> it actually says that. So weird. Mama. Um, yeah. So Charlene. Um, but what can you, what can we say? I don't like, I just don't know what she wants from us. I don't know exactly <laughs> what she wants from us only to embarrass <laughs> us. Like it's hard to be a Charlie fan when she does stuff like this, because we've known that she's embarrassing on Twitter. It's been an issue consistently. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and when she does stuff like this, it's so hard to defend her because I still believe in her as a, a musician and a songwriter, even though some people don't, they think yeah. she's an amazing songwriter. I've believed in her in the past. Yeah, same. She does seem to have like hit or miss is it? she either does like for me at least like i loved her last album but charlie i didn't vibe with that much mm. and pop 2 is like to me like a magnum opus of pop music in the 2010s but she is like either doing really well or flopping and i guess what is happening now is that she she knows this album is a flop it's already a flop none of the singles did well yeah and i'm sure it's going to have some great tracks in it because i still believe it's charlie xx it's not going to be complete trash but it's no. a flop it's a flop because it did not set out to do what it was supposed to do. It makes Charlie look like she lost at the game that she set out for herself. 
And I think this was her last ditch effort into bringing it back into some sort of narrative that she's controlling, but she's obviously not controlling the narrative because even her fans turned again. I've seen a lot of people who are Charlie fans on Twitter being like, Mama, this is not it. This is like the question mm. for the culture for, for Charlie's dance. Yeah. Like, it's literally not a bad song. Like, it's cringe, but it would sound fine in a store, like Boots mm-hmm. the House. <laughs> but like, she's so mid. She's been mid for years to me. Yeah. And I really saying that as someone who ostensibly gives a fuck <laughs> like it doesn't really sound like it right now but you'll just have to believe me but um even like the way the song starts like let me take you to the airport like, <laughs> okay. full devo or something it's just weird like it is. like who wrote that the fuck? there's like 500 writers on this song who wrote that like mm-hmm. why is it so unengineered sounding when there's so many people behind it yeah, yeah. It definitely that's it. It doesn't sound like a like a major label pop song shit. Why does Rena sound better than Charlie? Mm-hmm. Like, why can I barely hear the beat? Can you answer that, listener? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we'll leave some space for the listener to <laughs> fill us in on why this is what's all this then? <laughs> what's all this then though? Fuck. Like like Dora the Explorer when she's like, Where's the map? Yeah. <laughs> it's like in your fucking backpack, bitch. Like, <laughs> Where do you think it is? Where it always is. <laughs> Puta. Do you know that meme that is like, I guess Dora has a friend after I stopped watching after I was no, no longer a kid, but she gets like a friend and, and there's okay, some not very meme. convincing. <laughs> and then the, there's some meme that is like, oh, here comes that Puta. <laughs> Anyways, um, why did Charlie do that? I don't know. What do you feel about her saying that she did an inter- interpolation because that fits into the narrative of like major pop album. Do you remember? What, do you remember when she said that? Yeah, she said like being on Atlantic. What I would be doing right now as a pop star is releasing a sampled song, right? A song with like a very noticeable, like kind of cross generational reference. Mm-hmm. She's not wrong. Like UK music do be sounding that way, but I think she made a point there for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of songs here just sound like other songs, to be honest. But it just like made me wish it was the real song. Like, yeah. like I don't really like the chorus, like "Beg for You." I don't really me like either. that vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not cute, especially when the original song is so euphoric. You'll never exactly. see me again. Exactly, it's so euphoric. That's it. It's like literally so much energy. She like flipped the script and made it like a bit pathetic. Yeah, she took out the energy. I think like people are responding to the energy as well. Yeah, I agree with all you said, I think. But she's like almost onto something. She's just not quite there. Like there's nothing evil about this. Mm -hmm. It's not evil, Charlie. It's just like mid-Charlie. Exact, exact. The concepts are all good in her head, but she hasn't been able to put them in the music, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's like spinning the narrative after these songs have come out. Like she even admitted like she was sent this song like like this wasn't like a hook she wrote like it was like a label song which is fine like she even said in the interview like she's comfortable enough as like a musician and her career of songwriting to not care that she didn't write that one part right but but yeah i mean like it's not you can't have both like yeah exactly you can't it's not this narrative you're weaving if it's also not your song period i don't know period mama no, period, period, period. And actually, we don't need to talk about, uh, about that, about the avant-garde part of it. Oh, yeah, fine. wait. 
<laughs> Define avant-garde. What is avant-garde? What is avant-garde? I think avant-garde, and I, when I use avant-garde, or when I think of it, I think of it in like temporal terms because it literally means before something, right? And to me, it mm-hmm. always means like it's music or art that is so boundary pushing that it's ahead of its time. So it's so experimental that at first it's not understood and then it becomes like, oh, understood. Or like, you know, people start imitating it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's like experimental, but it also has to have like an, an, an element of novelty to it. Mm. Of like never done before. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But however, that being said, I find like in a way, like by definition, avant-garde and pop don't go together. Like by literal Mm. definition, they don't. And I can see for, I mean, for sure, Vroom Vroom is not just a straight up pop song. It has some elements of like experimentalism, but I don't know if I would describe pop as ever being avant-garde and definitely not Excess. (laughs) Excess is like a 2000s pop (laughs) song with a metal guitar on it. Like that's not avant-garde. That's like recycled if you want it's not a bad song i like it but it's not avant-garde and beg for you is a early 2000s ukg beat with like <laughs> a stupid dead mouse vocal drop <laughs> hello that's not avant-garde either it's not avant-garde. yeah like avant-garde to me is just like i don't know like john cage like something that is actually like only three john people cage. know it and it's like yeah. really it's something that it's hard to listen to like i sit down and i'm like oh i don't want to listen to this why are my ears hurting i guess beg for you does make your ears hurt so it literally is so shrill. <laughs> yeah. Should we name like avant-garde musicians? <laughs> of the top of our <laughs> Sophie, R.I.P. Oh my gosh. Sophie could Been be a year. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. We love you, Sophie. Avant-garde, I guess. For I a guess. while there anyway. I just honestly don't know enough about avant-garde music to like say any, like be like, oh, that's, or like, I don't know. Like when I think of avant-garde, I feel like free jazz, Arnett Coleman vibes or like, Hmm. What about like Holly Herndon? Yeah, she had like that before when she she's she's made some poppy songs, but she definitely has some shit that is like, whoa. She has some shit that's like, whoa, yeah. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, well, it's true. To me, an avant-garde song just cannot have a pop structure. If your if your song has a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, or whatever, it's not avant-garde. You're doing a pop song with some experimental elements. Um yeah. you know what I mean? No, I guess I see what you mean, yeah. I guess I agree with you, too. I feel like it doesn't even matter at the end. I think the point, or like the problem with her using that is that it makes her look both pretentious and pathetic. And it's the worst combination mm. of things you want to be. No, it's, it's leaning towards pathetic for me, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, fuck. How do we cap that off? Hot or, lo- hot or local. Oh, <laughs> that's how we cap that off. Right. That's how we cap off things. Local. Thanks for asking. Local for sure. Yeah. Couldn't be more <laughs> local. Oh, Charlie, we're I'm rooting for you and I'm hoping there's gonna be a couple of gems on that album, but for now, a big stamp of local. Yeah. I think she got hit a little too hard by that car. <laughs> <laughs> there's some head trauma happening there. Fucking yeah. hit her head on that one, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Crash is right. <laughs> it affected her voice. It like damaged her vocal cords. That's what she's saying. Like. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, it sounded good on TikTok too. That's the most annoying thing. That literal 45 second. I know. I was excited for it. Anyways. Blady. Mm-hmm. Blady. Although I think the song is Echo. It's Echo 2K and Blady. 
Yeah. By the way, apparently Blady is pronounced Blade. Oh, says who? Someone said that. And then you were saying Blade. So. <laughs> Blade is my favorite way to say it. Yeah. Blade is just funnier. It's definitely wrong, though. Can I, can I like file a motion that we only say Blade for the rest of the episode? Okay, let's do it. So Blade and Echo 2K. New song called Amygdala. Amygdala, I think. It's like a part of the brain. Period. The part that Charlie no longer has. <laughs> Honestly, T, because this song is everything I wish Charlie was doing. Literally. <laughs> like, yeah. why does Blade do Charlie better than Charlie does Charlie? Literally. And especially, and, and like Echo's, Echo's vocals on this song reminded me of like top tier Charlie songs when it's like a really fast yes. flow. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, look at, look at. Rollercoaster ride in the fast lane. Yeah, that. The best possible like list of nouns <laughs> i want it i want so, it i want it iconic iconic <laughs> like literally that's so good literally. blood a tour that's what i mean like charlie has she has like i don't know standing discography and she has a sense of she has a point of view in songwriting uh, so she should just bring that back but anyways amygdala i love 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 this track i think i love the echo part more than the bladey part blood part which makes sense because it's the chorus. So, of course, the chorus is a bit more enjoyable. Echo has the chorus. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And the chorus is what we just described very, like, quick. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, uh, iconic. I want it. Yeah. I, want I it. love it. I want it. Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. Sometimes that's actually all you're trying to convey. Yeah. No, you know, really. like, uh, so minimalist. Mm-hmm. I'm like feeling wistful. Like I feel like pop music was on the right track for a while and it just hasn't been in so long. Yeah. This is like the first sliver of hope we've had today anyway, but Mm. this year I would argue. Did you watch the video for it? Uh, No, I'll put it on now though. I highly recommend it. It's really cute. It's like they're at a club and there's a lot of flashes, like camera flashes going off. and, And it really matches like the beat and the energy of the song. Because it's like very choppy and jumpy and like, you know, all over the place. Yeah, it's so blurry. It's like 240p. (laughs) (laughs) It's cute. Yeah, the video is really cool. It matches the song perfectly. And there's a scene where like they're putting on lip gloss. And it's, I don't know, it it worked really well for me. I really liked it. Something about the cinematography looks really like silvery. I don't know why I'm recently I'm connecting words that have nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it feels silver (laughs) for some reason. And I like that. Or like grayish, iridescent. Very that. Someone on YouTube commented, shit got me blushing and kicking my feet. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. Yeah. I stand this There is more femininity in Echo than in most women I've ever met. Okay, that's giving incel, but... (laughs) How many many women have you met? (laughs) The two women, your mom and your sister? This song is so fire. I wish I had a girlfriend, though. Yep. Now we said it. Now we said it. The drain gang, is that what they call them? Yeah. What yeah. is the T? What's the demographic for Blade? Is it like just young straight dudes? I have no idea. I really wish I could tell you. I, I thought you would know, yeah. I don't know why. I did have another feeling about when these persons talk about femininity. I do think that the song is so good because it, it like balances masculine and feminine really well. Hmm. Because her, because Echo's voice sounds so feminine on this, and then Vlad A is more like masculine, on, like so. I think the counterbalance it was like, a, I feel like it's a tried and true formula 
in pop music that was like perfected by Mar- by Mariah. It's always good to have like a girly singing and then comes in like the the guest verse of a man. Anyways, I like it. I think it's hot and it's a good it's both hot and good. It's a smash smash hit. Yeah, it's hot. And that EP from last year that Echo and Blood A did was also doing what Charlie couldn't. Blood A and Mechatog, but actually this song seems to be produced by Mechatog too. Amygdala. Indeed. What a cute little crew. They should collab with Erica the Cassia, who's also Scandinavian. That's hot, yeah. They don't really like reach too far out of their kind of crew too often though, do they? No. Like that Charlie feature was bizarre when that happened on drama. Fucking war flashbacks. Speaking of war. <laughs> Sometimes you can't win. Sometimes you have to take a step uh, back and just um, let your bestie do her thing. Speaking of war and cringe, have the, <laughs> just the best song for you that encapsulates both themes, actually. It's called Shinigami Eyes by famous Japanese singer. Oh, I'm sorry. Canadian singer Grimes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Shinigami Eyes by Grimes. And me. And you, what do you mean? Oh, and me. <laughs> I thought you said and me, as if you were part and of the song. Featuring like, oh, me. <laughs> yeah, Grimes is back in the moment we needed her most to um, <laughs> fix the hole Charlie left in our brains. But did she? I ask. I ask, I wonder. The song is called Shinigami Eyes. I think it's, an, it's off an EP that is being released soon. And it sees Grimes leaning more into her... What is that? EDM? Would you call that EDM? What is that? What she's been doing since like, well, Drug From God has that. It's not under Grimes' name, but she produced that. Ah, uh, Drug From God is so good. We never talked about so that good. song. We never did it. Let's talk, let's talk about it. Mention it. That was like her girl group song. Now we said it. Now say it. Now we said it. Yeah, okay. That's all we have to say. It's like her best feature ever. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. It's really good. I don't mind a like a ravey dance music era from Grimes. It is unfortunately harking. Harkening? It's harkening <laughs> back to Go, produced by who was previously known as Blood Diamonds, which was very poorly received at the time. Blood and eventually pop. scrapped. Yeah, yeah. Now Blood Pop. And um, yeah, it's it has that like basic club beat vibe that people really didn't want from Grimes at the time, and I would argue still definitely do not want from Grimes. So, I mean, the, it, like vocally, it's kind of fine. Like, I like it. Shinigami Eyes, I like. It's kind of catchy, right? Yeah, like... Yeah, for sure. What's the lyrics? Are you ready to die? Something, something, my eyes. Or something, Got Shinigami Eyes. My Shinigami eyes. eyes, yeah. Everything is fine. Something, Shinigami Eyes. Um, I love the chorus. I think the chorus yeah. slaps. Oh no, I, hate, I say no, no. I didn't say slaps. The chorus is great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think the chorus is really good, and I had actually seen it a few months ago on TikTok. She kept promoting the sound that was, and the sound was just the chorus. So I thought it was going to be a banger. I was like, "Oh, Grim's going to come back. She's going to shut up all of her haters. It's going to be amazing." Mm. The song is great, but unfortunately, I think it's. Not that amazing. I think the chorus is the best part of it, and it's not enough to elevate it to a point where I'm like, I think Grimes is fighting an uphill battle nowadays in mm. terms of public perception because of how cringe she has been since she dated Elon Musk. And you can see it even from the reception of Anthropocene, which was okay at the beginning and literally got demoted by Pitchfork. 
out of what just like um, political like optics because there was nothing about the album that had changed in between the reviews other than their own uh, impression of grimes yeah i'm not going to sit here and defend grimes as a person because sure whatever sell out whatever name you want to call her i probably agree with that but grimes is an amazing musician and producer and when people can't acknowledge that or give her that that's what pisses me off and i think that she's getting so much flack that she doesn't deserve because yeah the songs are not groundbreaking they're not oblivion they're not so heavy i fell through the earth but these are pretty adequate songs i don't know why people have such an issue with it yeah but i mean i don't know whatever people mostly haven't really been paying attention to her if anything i'm just like why does why is every song so mid like, I don't think any mainstream artist has made a good song in, like, three years or something. Why is that? I think they're all on SSRIs. Ugh. That's so what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> we cracked the code. <laughs> Literally, I'm on SSRIs. I started one week ago exactly. Mm-hmm, that's why you brought that up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you care to share more? Is that too personal? Uh, well, I'm on Zoloft. Mm. Heard of it? Yeah, because you told me about it. Uh, yeah, they don't really talk about drugs that way here. They call them all generic names. OT. But yeah, I'm on that. And the side effects have been absolutely harrowing. Mm-hmm. So that's on that. So that's why Grimes is making bad music. Grimes and Charlie are making bad music because I'm on SSRI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To make me spiral even further. <laughs> I know what you mean in general. <laughs> music isn't hitting the same way. And now India Ari's off Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Not what am I gonna do? <laughs> oh my god, what am I gonna do with that India Ari on Spotify? Said no one ever. <laughs> Her mom. <laughs> yeah. Her extended family. Uh, wait, okay, before we move on to that controversy, Grimes local just by because of how mid it is. I like the song. I like the chorus, but it is a mid song, so I'm gonna give it a local. I think the beat is pretty yeah, it's pretty local. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Even though she is a person, low-key avant-garde, as she may be, <laughs> um, is, is kind of giving us local material these days. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> She's avant-garde. I wouldn't say that, actually. As a persona, like... She's just a weeb, in the sense that she loves <laughs> Japanese culture. <laughs> yeah, she's so into that. Yeah. She was just, like, so close to being... A one percenter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, her life is just crazy. Like, if that's not avant-garde, I don't know what it is. That's tea, honestly. Instead of living in a penthouse, which maybe she still is, she's, like, cosplaying as, like, fucking random fighters from, like, Japanese video games. <laughs> Pretty crazy. I do agree with that. I think that's really cool of her. And I think that I like that she has, like, her own world. Like, you know, her own visual world universe of grinds. Yeah. I think it works. It's cool that an artist has that, like, a particular point of view. Yeah. And I think it's true. It's really, she didn't have to go date the richest man on earth. <laughs> and obviously that's like po- politically problematic, but it's also like avant-garde in the sense that it's like, I don't know. It's a crazy career trajectory to go from like living in a basement in Montreal to dating Elon Musk. And then back again. <laughs> <laughs> back to- <laughs> her music might not be avant-garde, but her brain works in ways that. <laughs> We will not understand until 2040, probably. <laughs> that ours could never. We could never even hope to think that way. The things she's seen. Yeah. Okay, let's talk Spotify. 
Let's talk Spotify. So our favorite fucking topic. Listeners, you might, <laughs> as you might have gotten from Joshi bringing up India, <laughs> India Ari, India Ari <laughs> took her music off Spotify. As did Johnny Mitchell. As did that guy Neil uh, Young. What is that his name? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah, I was like Neil Armstrong. <laughs> Like making shit up. It is. She's, he's Canadian. As is Joni. Essentially, these three unpopular musicians have taken their <laughs> music off Spotify. <laughs> That's shady. I'm going to def- defend Joni, though. Joni's an icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Of course, of course. Juan's getting hot. He's taking up his sweater. <laughs> My takes are too hot. I'm riling him up. But anyways, these artists have removed their Spotify music due to Joe Rogan um, having a podcast in which he literally says whatever he wants, (laughs) which is often about how if you're young and healthy, you don't have to have a vaccine for COVID is what it boils down to, I would say. That's actually a pretty good summary of what he says, um, because it can be sensationalized. People think that Joe Rogan is out there being like, no, one should get vaccine, but he's not saying that. No, like he got sick. He got very sick from what I remember. Yeah. So he did. Didn't Grimes give it to him or something? Oh my God. Do what? you remember that? There was, I don't think it's confirmed, but there was a picture of him, Elon Musk, and Grimes hanging out in like Austin in like peak uh. pandemic at one point. And then he got it right after that. So people were like speculating that Grimes. That's so funny. I loved that era of like, LA like front facing comedians <laughs> in the photo with like Charlie and Dua Lipa and like later they get COVID. <laughs> oh yeah, Benito. Full whatever. contact tracing in her head. <laughs> Benito Skinner. Yes, that is that is that. Mm-hmm. That is that is that. But let me write this ship. So yeah, Spotify. Yeah, please, please, please. <laughs> Literally, I mean, this is old news. Um, I honestly, I barely care. I think it's notable, maybe, if anything, that, um, no, actually, I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't think it's Nothing notable. is notable about this. <laughs> oh, wait, no, we had an update today. You told me this. Today, the White House, the literal White House, the seat of power of the free world, had nothing yeah. better to do than to <laughs> scold Spotify and tell them, Please take further action on Jonah, Joe Rogan and his podcast. Yeah. So because that Spotify I think, agreed to like put warnings on shows that have yeah. like vaccine talk in the same way that like, I think YouTube does it. Instagram definitely does it like tweets mm-hmm. to it. Just like kind of generic warning whenever they sense a COVID reference. Mm-hmm. But literally people just tune that shit out anyway. And no one cares. Don't read it. Yeah, I think this is relevant or notable in the sense that, well, there's the issue of free speech or whatever, which I don't really care that much about. Um, But I do think that the government probably shouldn't be asking private companies to deplatform people. And even without the government asking, I think it's important for private, like private companies should not become the arbiters of what can and cannot be said. Yeah. So when people like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell pressure these companies into not allowing what's essentially just right-wing discourse. I think they're just mad at right-wing discourse. Um, Mm. Unfortunately, I'm not like a marketplace of ideas kind of guy. I don't think that everything should be allowed to be said, but I think that in this specific case, 
I'm not siding with Joe Rogan, but I don't think it warrants that sort of reaction. Like, I don't think Joe Rogan is that bad. I've listened to him. I used to listen to him a lot at the beginning of the, in the beginning of the pandemic. And if you're like a critical human being who can detect, like who can listen to ideas and then examine them on your own with your own critical thinking, Joe Rogan is actually quite an interesting listen because you can sort of see what the rest of the world thinks or like what the other half mm. thinks. I just don't think his shit is like that bad. It's not like he's yeah. inciting hate crimes. His issue, I think, is that he comes up, he comes with an angle of like non-traditional forms of knowledge. Like it's always like some mystical shit, some like shrooms vibes or like, mm. you know, it's so I think that I appreciate that. I think that it's important to have voices that are not just parroting what doctors say. I believe in doctors and it's really important to believe scientists or whatever, but it's also good to have a voice in mainstream media that looks for alternative forms of knowledge. Um, yeah. So I'm not that mad at Joe Rogan. And I think they're overreacting. And it's shown in the fact that Neil Young then moved to Amazon. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. He like tweeted me, I moved the music to Amazon. So it's like, it's just like performative moralism to me. I think Joe Rogan should chill on the anti-vax shit. Probably it's not good for like society at large. For sure. Mm. But it's to me, it's not, I don't know. It's not evil. And they're painting him out to be this like evil figure. I don't know. That's my take. I agree with you. The funny thing is though, too, that since the Spotify deal for Joe Rogan, like no one even listens to him anymore. Like this is the most <laughs> press saying. he's gotten in like years. <laughs> like I read something that showed like, I forget if it was like Twitter mentions or something like that, like some metric mm. like plummeted. Once Jeez. his show got paywalled behind Spotify. Interesting. So like no one's listening anyway. <laughs> like obviously people are <laughs> listening. But yeah. like it's just like one guy. Like, come on. It's literally yeah. one point of view, like you said. It's one point of view. And I guess he does have a he used to have, maybe not anymore, but he used to have a huge audience. He got a lot of money. And I think that's like the pain point mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for these mm -hmm. like aging musicians, especially <laughs> Sorry to India Ari. I mean, like, honestly. honestly <laughs> and James though, Blunt. Like, and James Blunt. Don't forget. James Blunt got involved. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Weezer got involved. <laughs> oh, not Weezer. Didn't know that. Yeah. Everyone fucking got involved. Everyone had a little <laughs> moment. Cute little moment. Did Weezer take their catalog too? They. Spotify? This is literally a press release. They started a streaming service called Weezify or something like that. Mm -hmm. They started their own service that's only Weezer. Okay. Do you have to pay for it? I don't know. I didn't click. <laughs> I just read and rolled my eyes and moved on, you know? <laughs> yeah, as you do with everything these days. Yeah, it's literally everything. <laughs> but. Quick aside, that's what I found myself feeling these days is just constant annoyance at everything that I see online. Yeah. Sure, that doesn't have any business in bothering me because it's just whatever. And so just making me feel so annoyed. I don't really know. It's got to be winter, like SAD mm -hmm. or something. The last time I really got pissed off was when Mr. Big died on the Peloton and then like instantly there was an ad. Like that's when we looked at each other, you and I, and we're like, wow, yeah. fuck, we, they knew. And then someone on the show Billions almost died on a Peloton too. Oh, no way, really? In the plot of the show, someone has a heart attack on a Peloton after oh, Mr. Big does on a different show. And they say in it, I'm not going to die like Mr. Big. How fast do they write that? Everything just seems so fast. It's like, 
apparently it's like ADR. It's like they dubbed it in after to like, but it's just oh, like, okay. what, what kind of coincidence is that? Like, yeah, no. Everything's so fast and maybe that's why everything's so mid these days. Yeah. Because everyone's just trying to put it out there as, as soon as they can, but. Yeah, I want some like good slow content or something. Yeah, something that lasts. Yeah. Not even good, excellent. Where's excellence? Yeah, She's let's, let's do excellence. Yeah. Adele fucking sucks these days. Blah. You can't rely on anyone. Yeah. I mean, Adele has always been mid. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> She's never had a flop era. Eh? Interesting. Except for this one. Now we have Charlie having a flop era. We have Grimes, Grimes. having a flop era. And we have Adele herself <laughs> having a flop era. You, would you describe it as a flop era? I wouldn't. I would. So um, much like Boris Johnson, there have been like daily updates on Adele and like, because she canceled her Vegas tour like the day before it was about to start, really? or her residency, I mean. So that was bad PR. She had that um, televised concert last year that was only mm. celebrities in the audience. That was a bad look. Yeah, She's yeah. like out of touch. She used to be like a little small town girl. Yeah, yeah. But now she has like a hot boyfriend who like might be sabotaging her tour. And it's just not the same, is it? That was pretty British. Is that? <laughs> Actually, okay, I agree with that. <laughs> I think that she, her persona is wearing thin and we're seeing the illusion or like the fakery of it all because the crack. For me, it all clicked with the, remember when she did a concert, another televised show, not the Oprah one. And then she had her English teacher come on stage. That was it. That was did it. you see that clip? There was a built-in moment where, yeah, her English teacher came from mm-hmm. childhood and came on stage and she cried. It was given drag race. That was how staged it looked. Don't get me started with drag race. <laughs> <laughs> it was very staged to me. And that's when I realized, oh, right. Like, because I think that her persona has been like relatable always. And they're really trying to push it this time, but it's not clicking anymore. Although she's thin, she's no longer relatable. That is it too. It's the image thing. And then mm-hmm. last year, she also said that she had to move to LA because she couldn't afford property in London. Oh my God. Oh my God. She really said that? I didn't know that. She said that last year. Yeah. <sighs> that, makes me, that makes me angry. This is what I will say. She's not flopping. She sold so well. And she got really good critical. Like, I feel like she's never got so critically acclaimed as she did with 30. Oh, really? I feel like I missed that press cycle completely. Yeah, because unless you were looking for it, it was so boring that it's like no one's sharing a review of Adele. You know? Literally <laughs> so boring. Yeah, Adele releases an album. I'm asleep. Uh, I'm sleeping. Like everyone falls asleep, but somehow radio stations, retail stores perk up. Yeah. And then for months to come, it's only Adele. So yeah, flopping is in. Charlie's going to spin it at the end of this, of this era. She's going to be like, actually, I meant to flop all along. Anyway, Spotify flopped. Listen, Spotify is not, not going to get rid of Joe Rogan. They already paid him $100 million. So they're not even platforming him. They're literally producing his show. And Joe Rogan certainly brings in more money than Joni, Neil, and <laughs> India combined. Joni, Neil, and India. <laughs> you know those shirts that are like a name and then and? Yeah. <laughs> Joni and James. And you and in yeah, it's like in Helvetica. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about music again. Let's do a speed round, shall we? Yeah, we have a few more songs, listener, before we say goodbye. So let's talk. Let's talk about Hikaru Utada. Somewhere near Marseille, produced by Floating Points. Um, I'm going to preliminary call this the song of the year. 
it's just it's beyond a smash it's beyond a bop it's beyond that it's it's a story it's a universe it's a plated funerals <laughs> graduations um marriages breakups all of it i think mm. it's a timeless classic um what else can i say i love this song yeah yeah just a bop it's beautiful it's just a bop it's just nice like meet somewhere in the middle what's the quote what's the lyric somewhere between paris and I'm in London, you're in Paris. Let's mean something. Okay, yeah, we got it. Somewhere near Marseille, somewhere near Marseille. We smashed it. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, it's it's a perfect combination of like euphoric and melancholic and like longing for love, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like too sad. It's not a club yeah. banger, but it's also not boring. You know, it's just, it's my favorite kind of song. It's my favorite kind of song. Anyways, Hot, the album's really good. Check it out, listener, if you have some free time. Let me add that album it's called bad Mm -hmm. which is conversely a good title (laughs) so next song is by uffy who's kind of our mom she's literally is our mom uffy birthed us raised us (laughs) and then abandoned us for like 10 years but she came back abandoned us for a while but when we needed her least and then came back (laughs) yeah um right in time for what's it called like cringe like um covid no that, like one of the many tiktok fashion trends that's oh, oh. Coming back sleaze in the in these sleaze in sleaze right on time mm-hmm. for that to allegedly be coming back yeah right i forgot about that and she has a song called dominoes she's been threatening to make a comeback okay she's been trying to make one i feel like since drugs came out a couple years ago she had an ep drugs being one of the best songs ever made in the history of humanity among mozart and i love drugs yeah i love drugs um no the song dominoes yeah dominoes is not drugs how could it (laughs) be and it's not that addictive either is it yeah (laughs) Uh, it's a nice cute little song i mean i like the energy it feels more like 2000s that what she had been doing before okay it feels more like instrument like but i'm what but what she was doing before, I mean, what she did in that drug CP was very electronic. This feels like there's instruments. There's like organic instruments here. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's joy. It's joyful. It's pretty happy. It's pretty cute. But yeah, it's not avant-garde. <laughs> I'm not going to give my mom a local, but I don't think this is necessarily hot. But like, I'm just always impressed by kind of how she twists and turns her career. So absolutely, I just like her, you know, I just like the stock. Yeah, snaps to that. Like, I don't need her to be releasing somewhere near Marseille because I feel like, like, yeah, what do you said? I like where she's taking her career. Everything feels very her. And it's it's always good. It's not, it might not be amazing. I mean, drugs was amazing, but it's always good. So, yeah. Keep going, mom. We stand. Randomly, I would argue, Mo released an album last week. Very much so, randomly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. It's called Motordrome. Mm. which is honestly a cool name like i guess i just must admit that i don't know who mo is is that true i'm gonna come out well i know mo did that lean on song i know her from that lean on of course um but i don't know mo i've never really met her (laughs) apart from that and that charlie song she has (laughs) yeah yeah um what's porsche porsche period people were like screaming at the podcast just then yeah It's literally one of my favorite Charlie songs ever. So I I guess I do no port. Really high quality, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, so Mo of Lean On fame, of Final Song fame, of 
Snake hipses don't leave fame. Okay, let's be generous. <laughs> so wait, here's my thing mm-hmm. with Mo. I do Please. like the songs I mentioned. Those um, ones from kind of like 2015 and before. Mm-hmm. I don't even know when Lean On happened. Do you want to guess? Let me guess 2013. 2013. I was right. It was 2015. So that was a trick question and you failed. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. Final song was 2016. When did this become a class? <laughs> <laughs> class is in session. <laughs> Gays and girls class. <laughs> 101. Um, but I just have a thing with Mo where like she's creepy. Like, okay. I don't know when I realized it. I think it was... um. She did like a theme song for like that Moomin series, you know, that like Danish or like Swedish cartoon. She released a song a few years ago for that. And it was just like so eerie and like uncanny. And now all I hear when she sings is like how weird she sounds and like creepy she makes me feel. So this whole album is full of her sounding fucking weird and like, I don't know, just like haunted. Like she's kind of haunted. Maybe she's been possessed by a demon. You know what? She does have a red eye on the cover, so maybe that's oh, what that is. There you go. It's quite likely. Um, but there's one song I would love to bring to your attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love to bring it to your attention. <laughs> it's called um, New Moon, written by Nuni Bao. Sorry, what do you call me? <laughs> Nuni Bao. <laughs> Nuni Bao. Who's like, I don't really know how she's known. I guess like she writes for PC Music People sometimes. She like mm-hmm. has songs with Charlie. Maybe AG, maybe Danny L. Harrell. I kind of forget, but she's like a good building block writer. Like she writes mm. pop songs that make you remember moments in your own life. T-T. She like lets you project yourself onto the song, which is what we were talking about when like we were talking about like repetitive choruses and like lists of nouns in songs, <laughs> like that Blade stuff. Like when it's like simple enough, but catchy enough. Mm-hmm. It's like just structural enough to make you kind of forget for a minute that you're mm-hmm. listening to music and then suddenly you're living it and it's happening that's to you, beautiful. you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what yeah. happens sort of in New Moon. It has like a kind of cute repetitive chorus. Do I remember what it's about? No, because she it just took down, me there down, down. and now I'm back. <laughs> we were discussing the chorus. What did we mm-hmm. say about the vocals on the chorus? Well, you brought it up to my attention. I don't think I would have caught it without you saying that she sounds a bit like selena gomez specifically in the phrase where she goes down 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 repeats it a couple of times i guess it's just the whispery low tone that sounds like selena uh, gomez it actually makes me miss selena gomez because yeah she does have a way about her doesn't she she was good for a sec yeah good for you by selena gomez is an amazing song yeah tons of shit on that album was good mm-hmm. um and new moon is the only song where Mo sounds good on this album. I'm sorry. And to be fucking frank, like, I don't even think that's her singing. <laughs> like, I don't think that's her voice. Like, it just doesn't sound like Mo. I mean, the evidence is building up as I speak. I don't think it's Mo. You have a pretty good case. Take her to Swedish court. Max Martin's there. Blade's there. <laughs> Robin is there taking notes. Robin's the one making the Very picture, right. like, drawing the... <laughs> <laughs> Parts of ABBA. Remember when we were like number like number 18 on Sweden's podcast iTunes list? I do remember that. I haven't checked our charts in ages. Yeah, me either. But we, we stayed charting you. in like <laughs> in Belgium. We stayed charting, yeah. Belgium loves us. You Ukraine the Ukraine loves us. Or Ukraine. I don't know. What's the political? Oh yeah, Ukraine, yeah. 
So we definitely picked a side already in the war to come. <laughs> yeah, we're pro pro Ukraine firmly, yeah. just based on who listens, mm-hmm. who streams, holocaust singles. Yeah, yeah, that's how I pick my politics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, who charts higher <laughs> on the holocaust singles billboard? <laughs> um. Anyways, sorry, Mo. Local. Local. I don't really know what's going on with that. <laughs> with that, I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Uh, speaking of not knowing what's up with that and Scandinavia, Tough Low is part of the Euphoria soundtrack. And I don't know what's up with the Euphoria soundtrack, um, but Tough Low's on it. That's something I do know about it. I know that too. <laughs> Along with Lana Del Rey and some other people. Um, so she, Tough, released a song called How Long. Lyrically, it seems to be about like unrequited love, which matches a lot with the plotline of... Euphoria, if you're watching, Maddie, Cassie, Nate, Love Triangle. And in the song, Tavlo sort of asks, like, how long have you been loving this other woman? Which I'm, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it because I watched the show. So it seems to be written from, like, Cassie's perspective uh, because she's in love with Nate, but Nate is sort of on and off with Maddie. So, yeah, what did you think about the song? Did we stand? Uh, I can, like, see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, tovacious for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I see it being in Euphoriana and Euphorica. (laughs) Euphorica. Euphorington Bear. Um, (laughs) It's amazing how little I watch Euphoria, meaning I don't watch it. Like negative. Um, And I just won't at this rate. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing Tovlo has this voice that is so, like, purely comforting in a pop way to me. I don't know if you're thinking I was going to say this, but honestly, I love Tovlo. Like, she's almost like a Katy Perry in Mm -hmm. um, How Hard She Flops. No. In, like, how (laughs) comforting her voice is. (laughs) Every time she releases something, it's, like, kind of the same and, like, exactly Mm -hmm. what you want from them. Yeah. And them? I like Tovlo a lot. I, uh, like, if we were to predict how familiar her voice sounds... Back when she first was starting her career, I don't think we would. You know what I'm trying to say? This is no, going off fully the agree with that. She's like so distinctive, and I don't think we could have seen that coming. Yeah, she has such a distinctive sound. Period. I think my relationship with Tavlo was I love that first single that made her huge, and then since I don't really interact with her music except for like the bangers, like Disco Tits, and I love the one that Phineas produced with her. I forgot what it's called, Bikini Porn. Oh okay, yeah. And I feel like she's someone who just doesn't just through sheer work, like working throughout the years and consistency has built a catalog for herself that puts her, sets her in, in her own space. Like she's doing her thing yeah. in her own lane. She's not breaking records. She's flopping quite a bit. Sometimes it seem like she's not like a huge <laughs> artist, but you're right yeah. in that she's like a distinctive voice, at least literally like in that literal way, like vocally, she's like tough low. And I like, I like her music a lot and I like the song. It's not my favorite song of the year or anything, but I liked it. It's pretty adequate. It fits the mood of the show for sure. She seems to be like making her money from like features. You know, like I think that's what her label is kind of getting her to do. Mm. I feel like I feel like she has a good situation going on. Like Mm -hmm. she releases kind of whatever she wants. And then like she has all these like massive hits like Pressure by Martin Garrix and Don't Say Goodbye by like these random fucking DJs and it has 150 million plays. Like that's crazy. Like, yeah, she's doing well. If she's the one writing those songs, 
she's getting mad money. I think she's writing the lyrics. She's probably getting a songwriter credit, which is giving her mad money. I'm assuming that habits. She is. She did write them. Yeah. Habits parenthesis stay high close parenthesis. <laughs> guess has given her millions. I'm sure that song was. Huge. I know, right? Yeah. Huge. Five hundred million views. Talking body almost as big. That song is so good. That song is. Definitely. Classic pop. Even Cool really Girl has 350 million. T. Like if if I had money, like fuck Bruce Springsteen and like whoever the fuck people are buying the rights up for these days, I'm buying Tovlo's Tovlo. publishing rights. Like I want money every time Euphoria puts a song in by Tovlo. I want money yeah. every time like, I don't know, a fucking UK reality show plays Habits Stay High Hippie yeah, Sabotage yeah, Remix, you know? Yeah, That's yeah. my investment. That's how I'm going to make my gains. Here's your 10 cents, mister. <laughs> That's my take. If someone's smart, they'll be buying out Tovlo. Although, speaking of like all the people, all the rights being bought up these days, I feel like you have to be stupid to, bu- to sell your rights when Spotify and streaming is only getting bigger. You think? But everyone's doing it, so. Everyone's doing it, yeah. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a businessman, unfortunately, as we all know. Business idea, let's open a hedge fund in which we just buy uh, masters or whatever, music rights. But yeah, that's, that's an aside. But I feel like the, the musicians probably like the fact that you get like a cash payment that is guaranteed versus like yeah. streaming. It seems hard to get to a lot of money. But if you're huge, I guess you're getting it. That's the thing. You're getting it like automatically. But we've never talked about people buying out these catalogs no. but it's been happening we, since covid started it's like people are like staking money in music knowing that people listen to it all the time without even thinking and it's yeah. like a constant stream of very little money but it does add up because everyone's doing it and it's an asset that probably gains value over time or at least depending on the artist i feel like the best example of that is obviously taylor swift uh scooter brown did buy her rights and that's a, an amazing investment i feel like taylor swift is someone Whose her catalog's value is only going to increase, increase, increase because she's such a classic artist now, like a legend. So that it's going to be keep getting reused and rediscovered and blah, blah, blah. So music has that ability to be rediscovered and like gain value again, even after its time has passed. So in a way, it's probably a good investment that way. Well, I exactly, I'm not a businessman. We were trying to do an episode on that, remember last year? Ages ago, yeah. Because all these like weird, kind of creepy companies were coming in and like, coming out of nowhere and just buying dozens and dozens of artists entire catalogs yeah and artists seemed happy to sell which was the confusing thing to me yeah like it's not like there's a downturn in the music industry quite the opposite yeah if anything is yeah it's picking up from the 2000s downturn yeah yeah exactly there's a list um i was just looking at it it's on a journal of music things.com Mm-hmm. Here's a running list of artists who have sold some or all of their song catalogs to a new mm-hmm. breed of company, updated as required. One of them that is often mentioned is called Hypnosis. Okay, it's catchy. It's like a Quebec industry. It's so, so weird, right? <laughs> and like some of these, some of these names are crazy. Like The Killers, Whitney Houston, oh, Imagine Dragons, Stevie Nicks, Neil Young, Shakira, mm-hmm. Ryan Tedder, Katie Tunstall. Katie Tunstall. Massive Attack, Beach Boys. Yeah, that was a weird one. I'm sorry. <laughs> then I'm no, like Queen India Ellen. Ari. <laughs> Huge names like India Ari and James Blunt. No, but actually it keeps going like Red Hot Chili Peppers. That is crazy. David Guetta, Prince, Tina Turner, The Weeknd. The Weeknd. Holy shit. And all of these are price undisclosed. Like mm. Bing Crosby. 
I just feel like some of these are, some of these are really low. Like some people got paid forty million. Luther Vandross got paid forty million. It's a stake in his music. Okay, but you know what the thing is, and I think this is why they're probably doing it. It's why the reason why Kim is looking to sell Skims and why Kylie sold her makeup shit right away is like these people are not. It's like when when um, startups make a startup with the intention of just selling it for a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a good way to get a lot of cash guaranteed that you can always invest in real estate or in stocks. And like, it takes a yeah. lot of the risk off of your business and you don't have the associated, you basically off, offload the costs and risks of it to the um, hedge fund that just paid you 40 million. And right. I guess you also lose out on the potential benefits, but if you're like a safe person that's not trying to become richer than 40 million, which is already pretty rich enough, it's probably a good way to do it. I guess at that point, like you're old enough that like, get an advance on what you would make over the next 20 years anyway, but it's just creepy, isn't it? It's just a creepy vibe. I think that's it. I understand the rationale between both individuals doing it, but I think it's a creepy vibe in a way that I can't describe because I'm not an economist, but it's creepy for the future of music. It feels creepy for the future of music for sure. Like for songs to be owned by hedge funds or like yeah. hedge fund-esque Fuck. corporations. Yeah. Like literally the songs that we literally play in graduations, funerals are going to be owned by two dudes in New York. Like, yeah, I don't like that. And isn't, isn't Euphoria like wall to wall music? Like name brand pop songs. Yeah. Like I would love to see how many, like which companies are getting the money for those, those licenses. Like I'm sure there's some shady shit going on there too. Mm Mm-hmm. I bet some people at HBO invest in these fucking companies. You know what I mean? Oh. I just feel like there's so much shit that can be happening there that like probably isn't even illegal yet. Yeah, that's a good way to do like make money. It's like you write a show or like you produce a show and you ask the music supervisor of that show to put music that you already invested in yeah. to make it bigger. Yeah. yeah. Business idea. Shady deals, definitely. No way that's not happening. Like we know Spotify plays music by artists that are okay with having smaller royalties. We know that. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Spotify inserts music that's in this program into the algorithm more often if they're paying less for it. Yeah, we know that actually. That's been documented for sure. That's payola to begin with. Yeah. 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 And that's also like uh, going really going really quick back to the Spotify thing that I think we forgot to mention. That's also why I think a lot of musicians are leaving Spotify or like there's been threats of it for their really bad royalties for ages. But something that you mentioned before recording is that if you're like a rising artist, you can't afford to do that because at the end of the day, you can't afford to take your music off Spotify. No, Yeah. It's like the platform now where people discover music. You can't, you can't, unless you really just want to be indie and you don't care about success. It sounds like you said, unless you want to be Indian. (laughs) (laughs) Indie. Which is true because India uses YouTube. Oh, really? So you're kind of onto something. YouTube music? YouTube, yeah. And Latin America too, as we know. As I know. As a Latina. As a Latina. Latina. <laughs> Speaking of Latinas, Lana Del Rey also had a song on this Euphoria thing, which was okay. I guess that's all I have to say. So I think that's it. I think that's it for us today. We gave you listener enough to think about, to reflect upon and to contemplate. Yeah, that's right. So many thoughts. Mm. Um, I'm thinking. Yeah, such as... <laughs> I'm thinking crickets. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> any takeaways? Like any life lessons? From this episode? Sort of like... Um, not really. 
I'm 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 leaving with a sense of anxiety, actually. Me too. Ugh, Should we try to? It's like apocalyptic out there. Yeah. <laughs> Should we bring the mood up before we say goodbye to our listener? Yeah. How do we do that? How do we do Call that? A joke? There's no- <laughs> knock knock knock. Actually, don't 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 ask. I don't know any jokes. Um. Well, happy streaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. This is the real. I'm mm-hmm. at a loss. Same. I guess um, my suggestion is to invest in the music industry because they seem to be doing all right. Yeah. Despite doing nothing for us. <laughs> mm. In the meantime, subscribe to our Patreon. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to invest in music for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's where you get the real gains. Mm. To the moon on the Holocaust Singles Patreon. Thanks for mm. listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>